Hello, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, Episode 3, the only podcast for knife lovers put together by guys who think they know what they're talking about. I'm Jim Stewart. And I'm Matt Martin, another guy who pretends to know what he's talking about while on air. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. <laughs> All right. First thing, news and headlines. I mean, we always like to lead off right into interesting developments in the knife community. But first, a little bit of funny or maybe sad news. We have two stories for you. One's funny. One sad, and we'll leave it to you to decide which is which. <laughs> you guys pick which one's which. <laughs> In uh, Los Angeles. Oh, sorry. Oh, go go ahead. Ahead. No, I was going right. to say, uh, Jim blindsided me <laughs> when we were getting ready to do a sound check. He's like, well, we got some funny news and we got some sad news. And then when he spilled the beans to me, I died laughing. <laughs> we're like, we got to use that. It was just too good. Uh, I agree. No. So, do you ever watch the Power Rangers, Matt? Uh, you know, not if I could help it. I'll be honest with you. Like it was, <laughs> I, I was uh, in the Voltron days, and then to me, Power Rangers seemed like this cheap Chinese copy of a of a Voltron episode. That's exactly what it was, and it really bummed me out. And nothing made sense, and so I actually I totally hated it. Like even as a little kid, I was like, this sucks. Like to, it was like it was like a, it was like a shitty knife. It was just like going right. to a swap meet and finding that switchblade. Except it wasn't like a cool one, it was yeah. a really janky one. It was, it was yeah. like, what is this? I mean, that's pretty much what was going on. So apparently. Kids all around the world love the Power Rangers. I was never really a huge fan either. But a former actor who played a Power Ranger is now in jail. Do tell why. He stabbed his roommate to death after his roommate broke into his room in Los Angeles. And then the guy, who was 36 years old at the time, this Holy happened very shit. recently. This, this could still happen to me. I'm only 35. <laughs> this could potentially still happen in my life. You could get stabbed <laughs> yeah, to death by yeah, an ex-Power right. Ranger. Oh, my God. Stabbed, stabbed, um, stabbed his roommate to death. Um, with a sword after he broke into his room, and he um, he was uh, arrested by the LAPD and charged with first degree murder. Uh, as well, he should be. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, I well, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's lucky he didn't call his sword down on him that he just got the sword, right? Uh, so, was, do you think it was a prop? Do you think it was like a sword from the show, or do you think he's still like just a sword guy? I, I think I think he's a Bud K sword guy. So God bless him. So um, he's he was originally charged with first degree mor- murder, and uh, his name was um. His name was um, Ricardo Medina Jr. who played a Red Ranger Red, on Red one Ranger. of the on one of the I know it sounds like a gay porn star. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Red Ranger's in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and and it's his roommate. Like yeah, his what, roommate. Wonder if he was trying to steal a sword collection. <laughs> well, you know, Boston man. That's you can't terrible. morphin time. You yeah. can't have any of this. So, but he was originally charged with first degree murder when he was picked up, but later he pleaded guilty to uh, voluntary manslaughter, and he's going to jail for six years. Whoa. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a little bit of a serious thing. It goes to show you that actors sometimes can't cope with being Power Rangers. No, there's a big thing about this, Jim. <laughs> yep. I, you know, we kind of touched on it, and I haven't. I I don't have anything in front of me. Maybe you can pull it up on the book there, but. Uh, the bulk of the Power Rangers have ended up in some sort of duress. Like they, they've been either uh, they've committed suicide. Oh, you know, you're right. Been have, in, right. Yeah. They've mm-hmm. been imprisoned. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah, they, they murder their roommates. They're trying to <laughs> steal their Bud K swords. It, it's almost like playing Superman. How there's a stigma about playing Superman. Yeah. Or the cast of. Um, oh, my what God. Was that movie uh, Poltergeist. A lot of bad shit happened to those guys, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, you, you find anything on that? Um, I'm looking right now, right now, right now. I, I, just, I went to Google and typed sad story of Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cracked.com. Oh, it's literally called the Power Rangers curse. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. <laughs> oh, man. So I, I know that one of them committed suicide. Another one died in a car accident. Um, <clears throat> One of them is ser- uh, currently serving six years in prison for murder. <laughs> for <laughs> stabbing his roommate to death. Oh, man. Um, What else is about this? Well... It's just it's just really bad. And apparently there's a there's a fat guy in Power Rangers people liked. I don't know. I'm just looking through these pictures. Maybe so maybe now, maybe not during the filming of the show. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. It looks very 1994-ish, this oh, okay. picture. <laughs> so anyway, knife stuff, guys. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Power Rangers is a curse and somebody got stabbed to death. So anyway. Glad I'm not a Power Ranger. So in other news, and we're leaving it to you guys whether or not whether it's sad or funny. So Strider Knives and Mick Strider and uh, and what what was his partner's name? Dwayne, Dwayne Dwyer, Dwyer yeah, Dwayne Dwyer. Um, are Strider Knives is closing, calling it quits after what twenty five years? Twenty five years, they're calling it closing, and uh, they're closing its doors. 
Um, and actually, the timing of the announcement was really interesting as well, too, because the timing of the announcement yes. was like literally April Fool's Day. And, and, and I was busting balls and kind of seeing if the water would churn by throwing that comment up on the page, just being like, hey, so who thinks this is a joke? I mean, the fact is, it's the uh, Strider Knives an institution amongst the knife community, both in the mid techs and in the production line and custom line. Uh, I guess that's three, not both, but all three mm-hmm. of those, the trifecta. And they've been around a long time, influenced a lot of makers. So. Um, truth be told, you know, we're, we're sad to see him go. Uh, so maybe this is the sad story. <laughs> I, I would, I would agree that this is the sad story. It's one, number one, it's always sad when a, when a, when a wildly popular business closes, no matter where, no matter what it is or who loves it or the fan base. Cause I know that a lot of people are going to be disappointed that there isn't going to be any new, absolutely brand new Strider knives. Um, Mr. Strider himself did say though, that he'll still honor the warranty and he has, um, um, and he has um, a bunch of other collaborations coming from with a couple of other people. And he's still doing <clears throat> customs himself, yeah, is he, he not? The yeah, MSCs? He, correct. He, he himself will still be doing customs. Um, there's There are questions about his ProTech collaboration, about whether or not that's going to continue. Um, I imagine that it will be, though, because that's the only place you're going to be able to get Strider knives on a production scale, right? Maybe maybe rebranded. Maybe they'll put Possibly. the Mick Strider on there or, you know what I mean? I, sure. don't, I don't know the rift if there is one between him and Dwayne, I honestly don't know all the personal machinations going on there, but right. Um, it, it's an end of an era. So, um, if you guys will indulge me, I'll go ahead and read his entire, his entire post. So it'll just take a minute. 25 years. Wait, what? 25 years of the Mick and Dwayne show known as Strider knives, 25 years of the he man woman haters club, <laughs> 25 years of changing an industry 25 years of employing our retired friends and supporting those still in the fight strider knives is written into history we've been hated and loved and hated some more i've been pondering over this post since january i've come to the conclusion that it's not just possible to do in a single sitting there's just too much i'll be writing about this for some time so look just let me stop right there i'll be writing about this for some time so obviously this is on his mind he's got a lot of stuff going on oh, yeah. and and he's probably going to continue this in some capacity, just not under the actual Strider brand. So, yeah. so I would just keep an eye on him and like check his Instagram feed. Cause I'm pretty sure he's very active on Instagram. I think that's where this came from. Oh, okay. Was, and I know he's, he was uh, at least in my era on the USN on the usual suspects network. Uh, he was pretty active on there too. Right on. Uh, Mick and I actually banged heads once, but other than that, yeah, I think he's contributed a lot to the industry as w- a whole, for sure. I would agree. I would agree, especially especially in that sort of tactical, high-end, heavy, overbuilt knife market. Guys go crazy I, I, I mean, for I, it. he kicked it off, in my yeah. personal opinion. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, he really did. I mean, it were, obviously, Chris Reeve is the one who, I'm pretty sure on a production scale, or at least some form of mid-tech scale, is the one that created the uh, frame lock folder, if I'm not mistaken. Is on on right? a production scale, yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. So there were customs there, to him. Yeah, there were liner locks before that, but frame locks, as in true production, well-made frame locks, was Chris Reeve. Right, and so, and then grabbing that uh, baton, if this were to be considered a relay race, were uh, Mick and Dwayne, who then took the frame lock. You know, they start off with these overbuilt, monstrous, paracord wrapped you know that was that was a pretty oh, yeah. new innovation the strider wrap on there when that all came out nice pattern um, yeah it was pretty mm-hmm. cool on the big fixed blades monster fixed blades brought s30v to market in a major capacity yeah and everybody started using s30v after that point they, right. they really were trendsetters with the steel and i gotta yep. give credit where credit is due and totally. then their folders were these frame lock tanks you know the, yeah. the lock bar stabilizer which i think was rick's rick hinder's innovation if i'm not mistaken i think you might be right on that he's got that on every single one of his knives and that striders thing. were using that also and so i don't mm-hmm. I, and you guys feel free to chime in and correct any of us if we're wrong. Like we said, we're just guys who think we know what we're talking about. <laughs> but just to yeah. see kind of like who influenced them and, uh, you know, Strider as an organization and how they've continued to influence on down the line. Correct. Strider knives will still be sh- sold at Blade Show 2017. So if you're going to Blade Show, that's probably the last chance you will get to see Strider in its glory that in a show. booth is going to be fucking bananas. If I were Strider, I'd bananas. be bringing a thousand knives. Yeah. And I'd have <laughs> them at like, like 10% off or whatever yeah. and give it to everybody yeah. out the door. You know, yeah, go out yeah, with a huge bang. Booth is gonna, well, we're going to be at Blade too. So Agreed. I, I don't, maybe, you know, I get there before you guys do. So <laughs> maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll pop over and say hi. But yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that's crazy. It's yeah. definitely the end of an era. It, it it definitely is, but we'll still be paying attention to what he's to what they're going to be doing. We're going to keep our ears to the ground, and we're all looking forward to, to see what to see what he's been 
you were, yeah, you were I, going to do. I would guess some kind of crazy growth, uh, independent growth is going to come out of this for both Dwayne and uh, Mick. So let's mm-hmm. let's see what comes next. Well, I mean, according to his post, I mean, just um, I'm not going to continue reading on. But if you if you read through through his post, you can tell that things I don't want to speculate that things were strained, but but things are were definitely going separate directions between the two. I don't think. And, yeah, there's nothing wrong and, with saying no, that. I mean, it's definitely. a fact. You talk to anybody in the pit at Blade. You talk to anybody, you know, in the forums or you meet at these get togethers and stuff like that. And, you know, the underlying buzz has been the same thing for some time. Now, I don't know the reasons and I'm not picking a fucking side, no, but there definitely no. was a little bit of a rift. And whatever it is, they handled <clears throat> it like professionals. They conducted it themselves well. They didn't motherfuck each other totally. publicly. Oh, and yeah. I'm all about it. So as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, that that shows a certain amount of grace. So no, well, you know, you make an excellent point. I mean, it it absolutely shows an amount of grace. He uh he goes on and acknowledges his own his his own achievements. Him and him him and his buddies, uh, you know, I don't want to say genius, but definitely accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, how they filled a hole in the market and they were they were a touchstone and they were a springboard for a lot of other people's inspirations and other knife companies that are now doing very well and they can owe it right back to Strider. They overbuilt the overbuilt larger folder community thing and how that's a huge market right now started with strider so you know if you're enjoying a little bit of that success go ahead and give a shout out to them for sure you know they uh strider knives greatly influenced our folder design um which turns out i never did but i was <laughs> going to do one using some of their design and build cues and then i was just like eh, i'm not really that into folders as far as making them not mm-hmm. at this point anyway <laughs> Some, yeah. At some point in the future, when we iron yeah. more things out. There's a little bit of non-yielding history. You're welcome, guys. Yeah, pointless bandit. So, all right. So, that's it. Strider Knives is closing. And and well, beware uh, of murderous Power Rangers. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Let's hope that they don't meet on an alley. Well, I think the Power Ranger is going to lose. So, if your so, roommate is a Power Ranger, turn this down and lock the door right now. Your life <laughs> may be in danger. We'll wait. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so, all right. Let's move on. So... If my computer will stop freezing up on me. All right. That's Matt? why I do everything in writing. In yeah, writing? This is what it sounds my computer sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Mine sounds like this. Yeah. Um, so, Matt Martin, the floor is yours, good sir. All right, let's get on to our history segment. I tell you what, I love this part. I'm, I tell you guys every week, I'm just a history nut. I know Jim is too. I love it. And I and we dig, dig so deep into these things because it's so interesting. We see all these patterns. Um, you know, we see them... It, publicized we see them advertised we see different companies come up new models and if you look at it you can almost always if it's a useful knife you could almost always chase the latest and greatest design back to something historic uh, i'm going to do a little shameless plug here because it's uh half my show so i can do that <laughs> fine uh and it's half i'm going to plug you too so yeah i guess we can oh. both get in on this oh, okay. so some 100%. of you guys may know that uh, vehement knives is doing a collaboration with bark river knives on the Mac V Sog Boy. And there's been some questions, and everyone's been super cool about it, but uh, I do think there is a little bit of a fog that hangs over this Sog design, especially because of the revered Sog Specialty Knives Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I anybody who knows me knows that I am a Sog Knives freak. Uh, <laughs> not, you know, I'll be honest with you. Sog, you guys are doing great. Hope you guys are paying the bills. Uh, I am not a big fan of what's out there currently. I, I think some of the contemporary designs, they just don't tickle me. They don't blow my skirt up. What do you want me to say? I don't like the fucking knife. I like the old white box 80s and 90s socks. And I am yeah. a maniac about them. Like the way people are maniacs about Randall's. Like I, I just, there's something about them. Their design team, um, it still is on point even now. Some of their designs are pretty cool. But the design and the execution of the old Secchi City white box socks, amazing. So let's get back to the point. I would agree. Um, the SOG knife is a historical knife this is uh, a knife that was developed in the 60s so it's older than the company sog absolutely yeah. so sog especially knives formed i believe 1986 and the sog knife so let's go let's go back so what's sog okay we see sog mm-hmm. um you got some people call it sog it, i mean colloquially it is known as sog and that is an acronym that stands for the studies and observations group now, this is not a very menacing phrase, studies and observations group. Sounds like a tutoring club after hours of like a parochial school, right? right. The most dangerous <laughs> thing involved in that would be like tripping over yourself trying to kiss a girl. However, these cats were some of the most high-speed, low-drag, 
gnarliest commandos that the United States had ever put together at that time. So they were, uh, it was a covert operations group. It was, they were implemented prior to and during the Vietnam conflict. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, so they were really formed in 1964 and they operated all over Southeast Asia and they did all, their missions, the depth and breadth of their missions, most of which we'll never know. Um, <laughs> true story. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? That, that's how it works. Yeah. But everything from recon, you know, gathering intel, they did a lot of psyops with psychological operations. And you guys feel free to Google all this stuff on your own. I'm not going to delve into everything I say here, but there's a, it's a rabbit hole. Let me tell you, once you start digging into this, it'll blow your mind. It's got one hell of a um, history, huh? Yo, yeah, uh, absolutely. They did the rescue, uh, you know, for down pilots and stuff like that. Nice. Probably their biggest convention would have been the, uh, asymmetrical, unconventional guerrilla warfare, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And that is training the local nationals uh, on how to fight using guerrilla warfare tactics nice. against a larger, greater, more uh, technical en- enemy. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys in the um, any video gamers out there, Jim? You're yep. a video gamer. I do. I believe mm-hmm. it was uh, Black Ops, <clears throat> Call of Duty Black Ops. Call of it Duty was the Black Ops. First the f- Black Ops that I think was the one based in the '60s. Yes, where you yeah. flash back to Vietnam yep. and you are and attached Cuba to a SOG that, yeah. unit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, but that's really kind of how. Uh, it, to the best of my knowledge and the research that I've done anyways, I don't want to speak like I was fucking there. I'm just saying this is what I looked up. Um, <laughs> in my experience. Yeah, yeah, in my experience. <laughs> so what I was able to find out is that these uh, units, these teams were made up of guys from the CIA. They were made up of Navy SEALs. They were made up of Army spe- uh, Special Forces, Airborne Commandos. Uh, so they were like the shit hot of the shit hot put together and they went and did a lot of crazy ops i mean they did some some gnarly shit so nice. during that time it actually it was uh just to, to wrap up the history of the sog itself uh it was disbanded officially in 1972 under tricky dick nixon uh <laughs> and it became so you thought studies and observations group was bad this became the strategic technical directorate assistance team 158 the std what? What do they call it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. STDAT 158. Yeah, it really rolls off the tongue. There is a file folder that nobody will really want to crack, right? That's like hiding naked pictures of your wife under tax information in a folder on your desktop, right? Because no one's going to want to look at that. And so, yeah, so the Strategic Technical Directorate Assistance Team 158. Uh, so that was SOG. Now, going back to the knife, um, the they were originally designed by Benjamin Baker, who was the deputy chief of the counterinsurgency support office. Uh, and he was the one that took... Now, this is what's cool. This, to me, is the coolest shit ever. You guys know that we are in New Sheffield. You know, we're up between Gladstone, Escanaba, Rapid River in that area yep. in Michigan, uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan. And uh, as we touched on the first episode, you know that uh, Marble Arms, uh, the Marble's Knife, fame, Webster Marble, and all his patents. The original SOG knife, the stack leather handle that was on it, you guys can hear me hit the table because I'm really <laughs> emphatic about that. Enthusiastic! Yeah, and so um, the original SOG knife had a stack leather handle that Benjamin Baker, the d- uh, deputy chief, counterinsurgency support ops, uh, said was following the design cue from Webster Marble that he had on a hunting what? knife of his. What? How crazy is oh that? Oh, my God. Coming full circle. Dude. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah. So, so, just a little, uh, he gave a nod to Webster, uh, which I thought was just super badass. That's really cool. Um, the other interesting fact about the SOG knife, other than the Upper Peninsula of Michigan influence, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, that they were all made in Japan. They were all made in Japan. So, even mm-hmm. the very original ones... Uh, which were sterile. They, you know, they they left no markings on them, no serial number, no um, no maker's mark, no nothing. They right. were totally sterile knives. Most of you guys in the know about the knife world knows when I say a sterile knife, what that means. For those of you guys who are still up and coming, I just explained it. Uh, you know, they left them that way to kind of safeguard the plausible deniability. So if it got left behind, right. nobody could trace it to a country. Right, right. You, there, there was no way to 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 pull a name or a maker off of it, so it couldn't be traced back to anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and gotcha. so uh, originally it was done by Yogi Shokai. They were the first contract. The knife wasn't called the Sogbo. It was really the Knife Indigenous Recon 7-inch. Uh, and <laughs> the 7-inch models, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. taken kind of a nod from the Randall 1-7. Yeah, from Randall 1-7, right? yeah. And then uh, the second batch was uh, serialized. Uh, 
some modifications to the design and they were actually contracted to a lot of different cutlers in Japan. That's where these were all fucking made. So the Yogi Shokai, uh, Hattori has made them. A, a lot of, they were originally based out of Okinawa, if I'm not mistaken, but they were saying that in the Wikipedia article I was reading that uh, there's no way they could have met the capacity, the production capacity. So they they, th- they farmed it out to mainland Japan coming out of Seki. Gotcha. So between okay. Okinawa and Seki, they were based on Kadena, which I was on Kadena for quite a while, actually. Uh, I had no idea. wish I'd have known that this cool shit was going on there while I was there. <laughs> yeah, you would have visited. Yeah, it would have been awesome. We're going to have to go back. That's so, all. Yeah, we got to go yeah, back to Oki, back. man. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> then it got changed to the Knife Indigenous Hunting 6-inch. Hunt, knife Indigenous Hunting, Knife Indigenous, comma, Hunting 6-inch. That was the name of this knife. Right. That we revered. You know what I mean? It's pretty crazy. Right. But uh, it was... Uh, we're we're stoked. We're in the middle of this collaboration. The knives are almost done. That was kind mm-hmm. of the impetus for putting this segment together today. Um, and we wanted to let you guys know kind of the history on it. So it's not just SOG Specialty Knives, although they are a great company and they definitely brought the design to the forefront. But sure. do you know who else made SOG Knives? Who can you no. think of without looking at my liner notes? <laughs> I can't see your liner notes through my oh, okay. laptop. Who else made Who else made it? Hmm. I can't. Man, time's up. All right. Al Mar. What about Al Mar? You know what? That's, yeah. that's stupid that I didn't think of that. We'll just start with the A's. I'm like, we'll I'm go like, with Al Mar. Like Al Mar. And then the other one I was thinking of might have been Boker. But Oh, yeah. I think but, Boker has touched okay, on it for okay, sure. And I know okay. I know Cold Steel had like this. They danced around the name. They called the, I think it was the UWK. It was <laughs> the, a pretty, U, the UWK. Pretty bitchin' knife. But right. it had that kind of scalloped. The, the, the double scallop yep, on the top of the spine. And then it had the Kraton handle. Grind. And I don't know if right. they ever made those in the U.S. or if that was just a Japanese line. I'm 99.999% sure that was the Japanese when uh, Cold Steel was still doing stuff in Japan. I, I think so it was just long. a I think it was just flood the market with a cheap version of that knife. Probably. I mean, Probably, it was yeah. hot. Yeah, I so, mean, and a lot of other companies have, have done them. So, but we had, sure. so for as far as like, you know, a real um, SOG knives. Right. They're not ashamed to use the name. Right. 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 We have Almar Ek. Ek. You guys remember oh, Ek, Ek Knives. Yeah. Ek. John Ek, mm-hmm. uh, Ek Knives. Uh, Mike Stewart had a hand in Ek Knives for yep. a number of years. That's Your true. dad for uh, also. Yep. I saw um, all those screws hanging around my shop. Tak Fukuda for Parker Knives. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Right? I didn't either. Yeah. Huh. So I'd like to track down one of those. I'm, I'm going to look that shit up right now. And the company formerly known as Strider also got a nod on the Wikipedia site for having come out with a SOG knife, which huh. I would like to see one of those. Really? Yep. Interesting. Now, what makes it unique for us is uh, this case, the SOG knife that we're collaborating on, will be the first time from a full-scale production standpoint <laughs> that the SOG Bowie has been produced in the United States. Yes. So, first time. Yeah. Which first time cool. ever. Uh, as Matt said earlier, they were all built in Japan before that. And we are engineering our knife making little butts off to just make sure to to just make sure that these knives are as perfect as they can be. It's nerve wracking. Yeah. (laughs) And and let me tell you guys, the the results that we're getting so far, we're super stoked about. And we really think that you guys will really, really like our version of this. And it is almost to a T the exact original model. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I, I've been pushing pretty hard. We, we have made some, what I think are improvements to the design. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, like Jim said, it's it's about as authentic as you're going to get. I mean, except with modern materials, and it, it's just cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys are out looking for a custom version of the SOG, there are plenty of makers that yes. make them. Yes, I can't remember the other gentleman's name, but we were discussing this a couple days ago. Hank. Hank. Hank Martin. Hank, Ma- Hank, Hank Martin. Hank Martin. No relation to me, by the way. I was going to say, way. do you know this guy? No, I mean, I know him, but <laughs> I, I, and not, I mean, we, we talk online and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's a stand-up cat, and I think he's a great guy, but if you want to see one bitchin' version of the Mac V Sog Bowie, then check out Martin Knives. Uh, you guys probably know Newt Martin of uh, hollow-handled knife-making fame. Uh, he does he does pretty amazing work. Uh, have a little bit of have a little bit of a time right now. If you guys follow him on Facebook, uh, I believe Newt is going through adult leukemia. If I'm not mistaken, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's terrible. And so I had no idea. Uh, yeah, and he's putting up a hell of a fight. I tell you what. So I, I watch his stuff all the time. So give him a shout out. Keep him in your thoughts. Uh, I know that we did a fundraiser for him a while back, uh, fundraising raffle and stuff like that. But right. yeah, the the Martin Knives group. Uh, like I said, I don't know any of the guys personally, just uh, on a cursory level through Facebook, but they are some stand-up cats and hella good knife makers. Excellent. Uh, I believe it was one of their knives that was carried by Bear Grylls. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. 
Very cool. So there All you right. go. There's your history lesson for the week, gang. And on that note, we'll catch you guys in just a couple minutes. Enjoy some music. totally are first thing on our return we'd like to tell you guys about our screw-ups <laughs> actually we'd like you to tell us about our screw-ups because we think we're right <laughs> <laughs> when we're when we're talking we know that we we know that we're right i, I use air quotes right. around the word no <laughs> so if we say anything uncouth or anything out of turn or anything that's incorrect go ahead and email us those corrections at info at behindthebladepodcast.com and we'll go ahead and correct ourselves on the next episode or the next available episode wherever we are in the the lineage of episodes and let's just keep that to facts because assholes will be dealt with swiftly and with great prejudice so know that so just send us the corrections let's keep it fact-based and uh we're more into informing you guys than we are into just talking out our ass. However, we do get pretty ass chatty when we get on a roll. So keep us in line. We have the, the job is uh, yours to keep us in line on that, please. All right. So from our question box that we have up on the Behind the Blade podcast page on Facebook. Which you can find at facebook.com slash behind the blade podcast. Boom. How cool is that? <laughs> right? We're very official. Make sure you get there and you like our page because that's where we post our latest episodes first. I mean, even even before it totally aggregates in iTunes, they're always there on Facebook because we instantly post it. And you know what the best part about that is? Other than you guys getting your earballs tickled by our lovely voices and wellspring <laughs> cornucopias of knowledge. Our tongue fingers in your ear tickles. It's super dirty. <laughs> and, and, it's, uh, and it's super easy to click that share button. And you can send it off to all your knife-loving buddies, and you can bring them all to the party and hear what the buzz is. Uh, we are at, now it's a very humble number, but I'm super stoked over it. We're at like 400 likes right now on the page. I know, I know. So, we're, we're in our third episode. Yeah. And, and it's pretty cool. I think it's badass. And so we'll keep trying to pump out the best information, but it is absolutely pivotal that you guys share this with everybody you know. Um, so we can get the listenership up and then the more participation we get from you guys, the more we have to work with. So just keep that in mind. So let's go back to the question box and, uh, Jim, what do we have for our first question? First question from our muscles from Brussels, Michiel, Michiel Van Hoot. What are some new makers we should keep an eye on? Any new guys in the business you guys really like? Yes, and I don't I don't know if new is the right word, Mikhail, uh, but I would say maybe unsung in some circles and worth a little bit of press. Mm-hmm. Um, there is Torbay Knives. Okay. I think he's out of Norway, Norland. Tor- Torbay from Norway. Yeah, Torbay from Norway. <laughs> this guy, his lines are fucking insane. Like you look and it's uh they're very useful knives, but they're very artfully mm-hmm. done. His photography is off the hook. Um, That's a huge plus in, but in what we do. It is, yeah. Absolutely. Oh my god! But I mean, holy <laughs> shit! Like his knives are just fuck. They're cool. I mean, and they're they're uh, scale on slab. Nothing too crazy. He can do more with less. And I just, I would say, without owning one of his knives, probably one of my favorite makers out there. Um, another guy that has been in the game a little while. Uh, he's known in some circles pretty pretty well for his folders. Is uh, JB Stout and uh, look, I'll be completely candid right here. I am not <laughs> a very big customs guy. No. There are very yeah. few custom makers that I'm like, oh, yes. You know what I mean? Right. Like that, I would carry that and use the shit out of it all the time. There's some that I like, and I have a lot of custom maker friends, and I like their knives. I like using them and stuff like that. But the ones that like pump my nads are, are, are pretty few and far between, um, or far and few between. But... Uh, JB Stout. I actually I carry his almost every day. Oh, you know what? You did show me that one before. This guy knows how to fit a guard. The guard, the guard on the knife that Matt's holding up right now is entirely out of micarta, and there isn't a freaking gap anywhere, top or bottom. It's, it's put on it's put on like like our loveless guards. Or not yeah, you know, yeah, our loveless guards, like our like class front, drop on yeah. From the front into a slot. Fit perfectly beautiful. 
It's gorgeous. It's absolutely inspiring for at least somebody like me. The guy's a fucking wizard, and uh, he does the. And look, uh, he's not paying me to say this. I'm just we're just knife guys talking about knife shit, right? So right. I, I, somebody asked who are some makers that I really like, and this cat is. I'm you know he does um he does that uh I don't know what you call it. I don't know what people call. It. I'm sure everybody has a trade name for it or something depending on who the maker is. But it's kind of a rough ground finish on this primary bevel on his master bevel so it looks mm-hmm. like he ended on like a 60 grit or something and i'll be quite honest with you guys i normally do not go for that at all it's a it's kind of a market trend that people are doing really well with and stuff like that but as a maker i i can't bring myself to to just stop at 60 grit and say that that's good um but you know what he did it in a tumbled finish and it fucking rocks on those knives so i've got I one of his little dropped hunters that i carry what about you joe who's who's your Who's your maybe unsung custom so, knife maker that just blows your mind? So, so far right now, and I know I've spoken a lot about it before, I don't get into custom knives a whole lot because I just only have so much time during the day. And 95% of that I devote to my production, just right. totally full-time. I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back or anything or blowing myself up. You're it's a just, working man doing that's working just, man shit. It's yeah. just, just work stuff. But I got two of them. One of them is a French knife maker by the name of Stefan Epsi, who, oh, who, who does... Who does? Um, you should actually look at Michiel's pictures if if you get a chance. Um, he does some phenomenally lined, beautiful, beautiful, absolutely smooth, hand finished, hand rubbed folders that are really good. His name is Stefan Epsi. How think. do we spell any of that? Stefan with an ph e, with a ph and an e, and I think Epsi is e p s i. E one e or two e's? S t e or s t e p h e n. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I might have that totally wrong because I'm 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 just recalling it from memory. Um. I've handled one of his knives before, and they are absolutely glorious. They're very well put together. They're very sleek, almost like uh, if if Loveless did folders and liked false grinds better. Ooh. You find it? Better, no, I haven't yet. But that okay. was just a bold statement. Well, I, I, I want to see them. Now. I mean, I mean, they're they're pretty hot. They're pretty hot. I mean, absolutely beautiful action. Totally smooth. Very very sharp. The guy knows what he's doing. Totally handmade stuff. He knows what he's doing. The other guy is a slip joint maker by the name of Evan Nicolades, and I have one of his beer busters. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And, and he does, Tracy LaRock is another great slip joint guy, but I want to specifically talk about Evan Nicolades. His his fit and finish on his knives is superior. I mean, Pretty impeccable. He, I mean, yeah, I've looked it over, and I'm a fit and finish freak. Right. Like, it, it's got to be pretty tight. I right. mean, there are a couple of little, like, like, little tiny, like, nitpick things, but they're just that. They're nitpick things. They're not... They're not major things. His fit and finish, there aren't any gaps anywhere. You hold it up to the light, you know, because the slip joints are put together put together totally dry. Oh, right. Right? They're put together totally dry, and they're pinched together. Not a gap. Not one. And I've never seen a slip joint without a gap before. Yeah. So that totally calls up into this that I'm just impressed with the dude. So if you if you have some money to spend, check out ESNYX.com, which he corrected me, by the way. It's pronounced Snix. Okay. <laughs> so it's Esnix, ESNYX.com, and uh, and check out his work. It's it's some really, really awesome stuff. Any idea what the Esnix moniker is about? The uh, backstory on that? Nope. No. <laughs> the, I, end. <laughs> the end. So I'm a great fan, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I just didn't know if there was like a story behind it. <laughs> I'm sure there is, Um, and I would like to have him on the show at some point, if that's cool with you, Matt. No, that'd be so, awesome. Yeah. So, anybody who designs a beer, uh, beer, anybody who designs a knife intended for opening beers, I'm down to hang out with him. I'm like, oh, right. there's a guy, you right. know, cut from the same cloth. I got to meet him at Blade last year, and uh, he's actually a really chill dude. Nice. I, you know, you would you would absolutely dig him. He's a good guy. But a lot so. of cool cats in the knife industry. A couple of assholes, but a lot of cool cats. I'll be honest with you. I mm-hmm. mean, that seems to be. It's not as. I mean, it can be. I guess from time to time, the deeper into the industry you go. But I, it, to you guys, now I think last week we were talking to the guy in his garage, hand sanding his knife. Now I'm talking to the guy who's sitting there flipping his brand new $600 flipper on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> dropping it on his wicked edge. You know what I mean? The knife customers who maybe don't see as far into the industry. Would you agree, Jim, that most cats are pretty cool. Like we all yeah. get on pretty famously, oh, you know what I mean? Even, when we're hanging out. Even, even when we have differences of opinion, 95% of the conversations I've ever had have always been supremely civil. Way more than <laughs> way more than like a Republican versus a Democrat kind of a debate. Right. It's yeah. more like convex edges are such and such, flat edges are such and such, blah, blah, blah. And then it's a super calm and, and complete well, discussion. Well, I mean, calm might be an overstatement. I think it'll end <laughs> in, well, you're an asshole and I'm right and I know it. And so sometimes there's that, but it's all in good fun. Uh-huh. And so I, it's... Uh, 
I mean, I think it's just worth knowing. If you look into the gun industry, holy shit, these guys will burn mm-hmm. your building to dust. They, oh my God. they hate each other so much. A lot of them <laughs> in the custom like AR world and stuff like that. And I, I, I'm like a fly on the wall listening to these anecdotes go back and forth of them trying to shut each other down. And, so, and it's like in the knife world, you're like, Oh, I think that was stupid what you did over there. Let's go have a beer. You, right. you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, it was a totally different mentality. Awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not. It's if if somebody buys a Matt Martin knife, and I, I know we said this before, if someone buys a Matt Martin vehement knife, it doesn't take away from Bark River sales. No, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't right. Change. It so, also doesn't take away from Benchmade sales. I have Benchmade. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I I have a vehement knife. I mean, it's it's just it's, we're all just knife lovers, and that's something I absolutely love about the knife community <laughs> is that we have no problem supporting each other, propping up each other's stuff because 100 percent of the time it always just brings everybody up. Right. All the time. Um, and and I think that's what it doesn't. So there's this friendly co- competition, but yeah, I, I think that's mm-hmm. exactly it. I think that because. Um, nobody is going to be exclusive to one company or if they are so what there's enough there's enough food at the table oh, yeah. for everybody you know what i mean so it, it never lasts long though i mean you never oh. meet one guy who's always brand loyal and just and he'll stay that way for the next 15 years it never happens no you just have you just have the one company that the guy discovered before he discovers another one to add to his collection right and and and, and these guys don't replace the companies with brand loyalty i mean something extreme has to happen for something like that to happen yeah. but if everything's good and everything's smooth sailing it's the guy just finds another one. Now he's got two. Then he'll have three, four, which five, six, and then he'll go on to custom knives, and, and which is awesome. That brings all of us up, and that's fan, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So when people don't like each other in the knife industry, when knife companies don't like each other, or if individuals don't like other mm-hmm. makers, it's because one of them thinks the other one's a genuine asshole, and it has nothing to do with the competitive side of it. They <laughs> just don't like each other. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a personality clash yeah, more exactly, than a market yeah. more than a market <laughs> that's deficiency. Just, that's just the way it is. So moving on. Let's go on. So um. That question was from Michael Van Hood for new makers. <laughs> so, um, what so, else is in there? So, um, what do you what do you think? How about uh, let's see? Let me try to pull it up so I can. Sure, play. sure. You you pull up the next one. Thank you, Jim Peden, uh, for the compliment. We really appreciate that. I hope I pronounced your last name right. I have seen it written a bunch of times, but this is the first time I've ever spoke it. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a huge difference between the two. So. Uh, Doug Lund, mm-hmm. Lund, Lundy, I'm not sure. Uh, where do you see the knife market moving in the near future? Is there growing support for quality, even at the cost well over mass-produced blades? Yes, yes, yes. And you know who 10, we get to thank? You know who we get to thank? I want you guys to go out and give a big old smooch to some skinny jeans, flannel-wearing, bearded, beard oil hipsters. Hipsters cause this, and I love them for it, and I think it's great because the hipster movement, which I do not subscribe to in the slightest, uh, but however, I, I love it. In this case, they have really pushed everything into quality, handmade, typically domestic made, so that they could be the first kids on their block to have it. Right. Well, I don't give a shit the reason behind it. The fact of the matter is that it drove people into the arms of quality. The recession of 2008 drove right. people into the arms of I'd rather buy quality and only cry once right. than have to be constantly replacing things in a disposable society we live in. Do right. you agree with that, Jim? I totally agree with that. And uh, and it, it goes back to that old adage, the uh, the, the the pain of a cheap purchase um, l- way out way outlasts the it's pain of a, of of a, of, a, of a larger expense. Okay, not gonna well, we got to look this up. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally it's a hard one to remember, but I've, I can see it. Written right, on the, right. There was like it was like um, a sign, and it's an yes. old 1950s, 40s picture, or maybe even older. But um, I totally see the knife market moving toward more quality blades all the time. I even see cheap knife companies moving more towards quality all the time. You see, you see. Uh, cheaper knife companies with lower price points like Kershaw and uh, and Columbia River Knife and Tool. And and these guys are always bringing up their quality. They're changing steels, trying new things, bringing in new lines, having more expensive variants of their actual models. Um, and all of that is a good thing. It just introduces and the lower opening price point stuff is absolutely f- fantastic to give to give greater to give greater materials to because it increases the perception on a wider base. So these people will be like, well. I bought a S thirty fee knife for my first time, my first knife, my first quality knife. I spent ninety dollars on it, and it's an S thirty V, and it's great. What is S thirty five VN? And so they, so the next time they spend one hundred and fifty bucks and they buy the S thirty five VN, and we're, oh my god, this is, what is this magic 
what is this magic devil steel? And I mean, it's just all kind of an introduction. The more high quality stuff that people make that wants to buy because people are starting to go away from stuff like 440A. And and four twenty. Hey, and do not knock four forty. Oh no, no, I'm not knocking it. I'm just just talking about price points. Okay, I'm just talking about price points. Jim and I are from two schools of thought here. That uh, you know, look, Jim's company stays on the cutting edge of different steels as they come out. My thing, and no shot to you guys, you have amazing fit. Thank you. But my thing is the devil's in the absolute details, and whereas you will not see me be as adventurous with steels. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. I was using ATS-34 until they stopped letting me buy ATS-34. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, that's it. That's perfect. And that's like old Benchmade discount steel. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, nope, this is all I need. And uh, because it, and I thought it performed well, blah, 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 blah. But I, I'm more into the design cues. Find a suitable tried and true steel. You guys are super adventurous with your material selection. Well, And I think yeah. that's great. I think the, I think the market plays to that. I think sure. people want yeah. to have some... I look at Spiderco. Holy shit. Spiderco really does a lot of Dude, steel play. They do way more steel runs. play than we do. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Be, I, it, the, the name is four inches long. I don't even know what's right, in it. Right. Yeah. I, have, I, have, I have... Well, I gave one of them away, but I had three Spidercos in Sprint Runs. One of them is my Paramilitary 2. I have a Paramilitary 2. I also have Spidercos on top of Benjamins. So, <laughs> it's a Paramilitary 2 and M390. And it was a sprint run, and it's great. And I have a, a Manix 2 in oh, S1. Those are, those are hot. Manix 2s are awesome knives. I have one in S110V, and I have one in uh, Crewware. I have one in Crewware. I'm like not sure if that was a sprint run or not. It I might, think it was. Yeah. Was it? Okay, so I had I one. I think they're all S30V until they get crazy. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it was it was, it was was two Manix 2s, one in S110V, one in Crewware. And then I had a, a, a Mule. Like like the fixed blade oh, yeah, mule, yeah, the mule in yeah. K three ninety. Oh no shit! And it that's what convinced me that I should never use K three ninety because I couldn't polish it. <laughs> oh, that abrasion resistant. <laughs> really? Well, I had I had two forty compound on. So what we use in the shop is we use a we use a grit compound that goes on a polishing wheel to grind metal and polish it at the same time. Some of you guys that are listening to this that make knives on your own, I just blew your minds. That's totally atypical. Nobody does something like that. Come to a grind and you'll figure it out. Right, That's as right. far as we're going to go it's, with this. It's super, <laughs> it's super easy. But anyway, I went to go polish with it on a 240 grit, and it was like turning black like I was hitting it on like a regular grease polish wheel. No because shit. it's so abrasion resistant. That's crazy. It's crazy. But but actually, that's one of the reasons why I love Spiderco is that I'll, if I want to test out a steel because I know their heat treat's good, I'll buy one of their knives in their sprint run so I can go grind it. Their and heat I'll... treat is dynamite. I'm going <laughs> to take this right now. We heat treat at the same shop, and they are great. And that's why we use them because their heat treat does kick ass. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's awesome. I, I know that it, I know that they're reliable all the time. So you know, shout out to Spiderco for having awesome knives. Yeah, so, and I, you know what? I, some people think it's cheesy. Just a quick mm-hmm. Spiderco anecdote. I'm sorry. I'm from Colorado. I'm from Arizona, but I lived in Colorado for right. over years where the knife company started. Uh, Golden Colorado, USA, comma, Earth. I always thought that was funny. <laughs> I thought it was great on the paramilitaries and shit. I'm like, this think, is brilliant. Uh, we should go upstairs in a little bit after we're done here, and we should see if mine still says Earth on well, it. Well, I that's guarantee all, it does. That's yeah, awesome. so funny, yeah. I, I, never, I never thought about I never put that together in my mind before. It's really funny. Yep. All right. The galactic address. <laughs> I think we had one uh, tech tips question, which we can round out. Um, um, or did you have another one of these you wanted a to A little bit. I'm looking for tech tips question. The The last question we actually had was from last week's post. Um, what super steel isn't and or what steels perform just as well, if not better, than the quote super steel? That's from Ben Marovich from last week's post. I can knock this out in one very short, concise answer. Ooh. It's all in the fucking heat treat, dude. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that's that, it. That's exactly where I was going to go. See, Matt, Matt's, Matt's much more concise than I am. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, step one is because I'm super all about process, right? So I'm like, I'm like, well, it depends on your opinion. But no, boiling it all down. I don't care what number you scratch on the side of your fucking blade. If it is not heat treated properly, it will perform like dead 1095. <laughs> and it does not matter what steel it is at that point. No, yeah. No, no I mean, no. I've seen M390 chip. I've seen M390 roll on bad heat treats. I've seen ATS-34 outperform M390. With a good yeah. heat treat. And M3, and that's yeah. that's a tall order, but it's entirely possible if you have the right combination set of circumstances. Absolutely. So, And no shot to you guys who are heat treating at home. I mean, some of you guys have it down to a science. Some of you guys are learning that science. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, personally, I... I, I don't want to. I'd, there are guys who are specialists in the field who oh, are yeah. experts, who have decades be... of, of, think of Paul Boss, 
I yeah. mean, if you want to talk about a 10-pound brain on that guy, that guy could... Oh, my God. I mean, he could cook a spork into something like, you know, F-30B. <laughs> and so, I mean, he's just a mutant. And so, it really... These guys are wizards. So, the good money is spent on somebody who knows what the hell they're doing with an oven and who has the right facility to do so. Some people do molten salt. Some people do vacuum. Uh, some mm-hmm. people believe that cryo is the only way to go. Some people think cryo is unicorn piss. And, right, you know, that's it's fine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but... Really find the right heat treat house that right. works well with you. Use them or develop your own heat treat science behind it and really put it to the test. But it does not matter the material. It matters the heat treat. Right. Yeah. I, I, I would totally agree. I've, I've seen I've seen very well performing 440A. I mean, I mean, the way the way we fairly well performing. Oh, yeah, fairly <laughs> well, I mean, it's 440A. I mean, but yeah, but yeah, fairly well performing. I mean, like we can get 440C to perform like CPM 154. Word. I mean, I mean, it, and it's all just in the heat treat and the right combination and really understanding what you're doing and lots of really good research. Yeah, well, I mean, we just had fun with a 440C uh, that we ended up raffling off or something like that. But uh, mm-hmm. it was just a, a piece of stainless that we had. And we were like, all right, heat treat's in check, but let's make it into a chopper just to... <laughs> Just to set the world right. on its head for I remember a this one. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And okay. then we go yeah. in the shop and we blow through a two by four. It's super thin. I mean, it's like three sixteenths <laughs> or less. You know, we yeah. blow through a two by but four. You, but you went through a, a sideways two by four with it. I remember. I remember. I, yeah, I, I, remember I didn't the, see you do it. You saw the shop, right? Yeah. I didn't see you do it, but I came in and it looked like a fucking tornado went through yeah. the shop with wood chips fucking everywhere. Like a giant hamster was... came through and just crashed the place. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, but but yeah, totally. So. So, um, so it's not really what super steel isn't. It's just understanding what you have and how to execute that steel and that formula and the, the, for, the chemical formula of the steel to get maximum performance out of it. You have to understand the basic terminology of steel, the strength, toughness, edge resistance, uh, or, or, or corrosion resistance and uh, edge retention and wear resistance. Yeah. Wear resistance. I mean, all of those things kind of intermingle and all the, all the different elements kind of play to one of those strengths as it goes or or a combination of them in lower quantities i mean there's only there's only so much dice you can roll it is i mean it it, it's 10 pounds of voodoo i mean it really is like it's uh uh, look what you spider co is a great example jim i think you really set the paradigm as far as Mm -hmm. that goes is buy some sprint run paramilitaries or some mule teams you know what i mean and and, and you're not going to regret it because they're still good knives and they retain their resale value like nobody's business so i mean you're you're on a safe bet there is fuck around with some mules and some paramilitaries let's just go there for sprint runs go on ebay right now and buy yourself a paramilitary too you're not going to regret it no you'll be stoked if you don't have one to me it's the perfect knife everything beyond that and you know what i just i just traded out of mine did you i did and i I, well i got hit with (laughs) Uh, it was like going to a Turkish bazaar. He just kept piling stuff in my arms. And he's like, you take, you take, I want this. It's a guy you work with. Like, oh, my, oh my God. <laughs> I'll tell you off air. All right, okay, all right. So he's like, you take, you take, I want this. And so he starts loading me up with shit. And I felt obligated to trade him for the PM2. And, and I'm just busting your balls. If you're listening to the show, you know who you are. But uh, I'll get another one. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great knife. You won't be disappointed, like Jim said. They retain their resale value. And you'll be able to see firsthand, hey, this doesn't hold an edge the way I thought it would. Or this thing slices like crazy, but it's murderous to sharpen. Mm -hmm. You'll figure out what suits you the best and then clean it up. Have somebody professionally resharpen it. Sell it. Get it, you know, get the one you like. And then you know how you can apply that steel to all your other knives. Right. Constantly always grow your own knowledge base. I mean, I think I think that's what's really most important here. Yeah, is that always low? Oh, oh, always low. Always grow. Always learn. I was trying to say grow and learn at the same time. <laughs> Stupid. So always, always grow. Always learn, and always be researching stuff. And we're gonna try to stay on top of it as best we can. Yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, is that it? We are. Well, we still got like another ten minutes. Oh, do we? All right. Yeah. There was one in there. Uh, there was a guy. Hang on. There was one I wanted to get to. And this is real fast. I'm not gonna go in depth on this. It was. Uh, <laughs> Oh, let's see. Gee, somebody got <laughs> crazy in here. Uh, there was somebody who messaged me or hit me up or posted somewhere. It was about plunge lines. So this is going to go back to the makers. Oh, you know what? I, I I did not grab that one, but I do remember reading it now. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, somebody asked, how do, how, do you, how do you cut even plunge lines? Um, that's that's a good tactics question for sure. Go ahead. Absolutely. I can't I can't tell you how to do it. I can't tell you the muscle memory for it. All I can say is take the extra five minutes and scribe some lines. Oh, my God. Matt, when you first told me that, I was like, that's it? That's all you have to do? That's it. And then, like, yeah. Yeah, Jim, make a plan. (laughs) 
Don't just like stick go, to your plan. Yeah, yeah, don't it. just like take a Sharpie mark and go, I want them about here. No, no. Take a measurement. Take a scribe. Get some dicum or some bluing dye. Yeah, a Sharpie. Fuck, you're on the edge. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. not, not that um, challenging. So, yeah, you can get a carbide stri- scribe at any uh, hardware store. Most people, you probably don't even know. If you have a combination square, you're like, what's that little knurled button on the bottom? Unscrew that. That's a hardened steel scribe inside right. of most combination squares. So whatever it is, just to make a scratch, blacken the edge or blue the edge with Dykem, like Jim said, um, and scribe a center line, okay? And there's plenty of resources online. I'm not going to tell you the whole shebang. Go buy a surface plate and a height gauge. No, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, get the How to Make Knives by Bob Loveless and Richard Barney <laughs> Perfect. and Buster yeah. Rensky. Uh, he'll explain it in there. Scribe a center line, and then I like to do a perpendicular uh, scribe to represent my plunge lines right. set where I want them to be. And I don't always hit that line exactly, but at least I have a frame of reference. You have a crosshair that you're aiming for. Right, right. It, it's, it's an aim small, miss small mentality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I mean, like if you aim, the smaller your target, the more likely you are to get close to hitting it, even even in a bad situation. That's like our motto in the shop. So totally. It's cool to hear you say that. Yeah, because I mean, that it really is. It's aim small, miss small. That was something that my... Well, I mean, you know, not to not to bring my father up or anything, but he is my dad. And one of one of the life lessons that he taught me was aim small, miss small in everything that you do. The the more specific you can get to something, the closer you are gonna the closer that you're gonna get to achieving it than if you just blasted something out. Man, like I said, that's our shop motto. So it's yeah. cool that you have that same philosophy and that it's been handed down to you because and mm-hmm. knife makers and uh, knife buyers, we'll just get on a philosophical note real quick, but he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, the the more, the smaller you aim at your target that you may miss slightly from the bullseye, but it's better than missing the whole fucking paper, right? And so... 100% true. Yeah, so yeah, so make your crosshair uh, using the center line and the perpendicular line and then grind to that, and it will become immediately evident that uh, that your shit's wonky. You know what I mean? You'll be like, oh, this doesn't look like the other side, and you'll also have a way to correct it because you'll have guidelines to go to. Totally. I agree. Okay, I think that uh, I think that wraps things up pretty neatly. So. So. So right on. I uh, appreciate you guys hanging out for uh, with us. This is Matt Martin signing off for Jim Stewart, reminding you that real friends don't let friends buy ugly knives. Have a great week, everyone.